0: Welcome laugh through the pain of the U.S. education system. We'll see you there.
3: Hey Muller junkies, thank you so much for all of your support. We've taken hundreds of new patrons on in the past few weeks and we want to welcome you. You can now listen to the entire archive of bonus episodes. There's more than 30. You're also now a member of the MSW Book Club and we'll begin reviewing Fear by Bob Woodward this month. You can also play in our Fantasy Indictment League now by joining our closed Facebook group called Friends of Justice and look for the pin post and announcements and you'll get our weekly newsletter now with all of our photos, memes, pertinent articles and my personal research notes. This week, I got a message from a woman in servant leadership I admire who advised me that we are undervaluing ourselves, a mistake women can often make. So beginning October 1st, we're removing our $1 and $2 patron levels for access to all the bonus content I just described. Everyone currently at the $1 and $2 levels will get to continue being a patron at that level. But all new patrons beginning October 1st will be buying it at a $5 minimum. So sign up now to take advantage of all the extras as an official patron while the $1 and $2 levels are still available. And thank you again for supporting women in podcasting. Don't undervalue yourselves. I use a pseudonym because I work in Trump's executive branch, so I'm one of the lucky ones that gets to pay for tax cuts for the rich people by not getting a cost of living raise this year. Yay! So if you're rich, you're welcome. Um, with me, as always, is Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. And this was a busy week, you guys. Uh, As expected, I think it's going to be continuing to be a busy week until on into next year. Uh, And joining us this week is Grant Stern. He's an investigative reporter and the producer of the Dworkin Report. And we also are lucky enough to have MSNBC contributor and staff writer for The Atlantic, Natasha Bertrand. Jalisa is going to report on the GOP possibly releasing unredacted SF-86 security clearance application forms of Democrats running for office this year. Uh, That's crazy. And Jordan has some information on Trump's latest interview with Bloomberg. Also crazy. I'll be going over our beautiful Felony Friday that we had this week. But first, uh, I have a correction from the Greg Proops interview. I had said Chuck Rosenberg was the U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York, when actually he was the U.S. attorney in the Eastern District of Virginia. Um, I caught that listening back to the interview. So thank you, me, for letting me know about that. Uh, we have a lot to get to this week, so let's get into it with just the facts. Okay, guys, Sunday, Cohen's lawyer, Lanny David, walked back his remarks about what Cohen could potentially offer Mueller, including information about Trump having foreknowledge of the Trump Tower meetings and that Trump knew about and participated in the weaponizing of hacked emails from the DNC and the DCCC. Davis did not rule out that Cohen could have the information, but he said he couldn't corroborate the claims either and wished he'd been clearer. Uh, in in other Cohen news, though, it's of note that his plea agreement states that the agreement itself does not preclude them from other prosecutions, including 18 U.S. Code 1960, which is or 1961, I think, which is racketeering. It's RICO, so put beans on that. We had mentioned that last week that uh, he might be um, wrapped up in other investigations. So put some beans on it. There you have it. Beans. Beans. <laughs> Then, everybody started freaking out Monday about a report in Politico.
5: Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria.
3: Uh, The report was about a sleeper case that could supposedly torpedo the entire Mueller investigation. Basically, the D.C. Court of Appeals will hear a case next month about a guy who was murdered decades ago, and the Justice Department wants to set precedent that judges don't have the freedom to release grand jury information that's usually kept secret. And a lot of folks are afraid this could be a problem for for Mueller releasing his report because Congress would be deciding to publicize it, not a judge. However, chill out. First, we need to vote in November because a Democratic Congress would render this point completely moot. Uh, If not, I think a court case could easily create an exemption, not to mention denying an indictment would automatically trigger a report to Congress, the Gang of Eight. And above all, Mueller, I'm sure, has every base covered. So don't let this stress you out. Then Bloomberg reported on a Russian guy in a California jail that is of interest to the Mueller investigation. This Russian guy named Yevgeny Nikulin was charged with hacking LinkedIn uh, in apparently the saddest Russian hacking attempt ever. (laughs) (laughs) Who hacks
2: LinkedIn? Anyhow It's it's a place for business It's
3: a business place (laughs) Connections, and network Anyhow, he was charged in 2012 When he hacked LinkedIn and Dropbox And he was extradited from the Czech Republic That's an important note Back to the US Moscow apparently had a dueling request to extradite him But he he landed in NorCal this past March The trouble is, he could literally be insane Defense is asking for a mental health evaluation of him Because he just laughs with a thousand-yard stare Whenever he's asked questions like, I just imagine, like, <laughs> so where were you on the March 17th? Ha, 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 ha. Like, I just...
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's just good times. Good. So mm. creepy.
3: <laughs> yeah, it is weird. So they're having him evaluated. Uh, but the Russians are really interested in this guy. They've tried to visit him a few times without lawyers present, which is what is making him of interest to the Mueller probe. <laughs> Uh, maybe he's connected to Cohen. I don't know. Czech Republic, Cohen, steel dossier. I don't know. I could just yeah. be making weird connections. But the story isn't very clear about any implications. But we thought we'd bring it to you anyway.
2: Yeah. Stop trying to contact him, Russia <laughs> bros. What the hell? <laughs> Stupid idiots. Cool. We'll, just,
3: shit. we'll just sneak in. No one will notice. <laughs> yeah. uh, also Monday, Roger Stone. Stone says he's he's about to be indicted and he emailed all of his friends to ask for help with his legal bills. He even started a GoFundMe, which is hilarious. Um Peter Strzok's GoFundMe made three hundred and twenty five thousand dollars the first day and Stones has made about twenty nine hundred dollars after a week. <laughs> and and his douchebag grandson by the way who looks like an extra from the jersey shore is also panhandling for stone on the internet this guy has like shaved head brill cream back hair like he looks like he's got ears pierced looks like he drives a mitsubishi eclipse anyway wears fedoras in his spare time oh god probably a libertarian um
2: maybe uh stone should sell space on his back for you can get your face tattooed on his back for fifty thousand (laughs)
3: dollars I would do that. Yeah. Not for 50 grand, but I'd probably send him 100 bucks if he tattooed my face on his back. <laughs> or, or our logo, just Mueller, she wrote, really big. Oh, that'd be so cool. Contact us, Stone.
2: What a predicament. We I wish we had the money to actually offer that. I know. We can give you $200,000. I know. If we
3: me. started a GoFundMe, we could probably raise $50,000 in a day to get <laughs> our faces tattooed on his back. That's, oh, my gosh. that's That's how much influence he has. Uh, anyway, we'll keep you posted on what goes on with that. <laughs> Also Monday, Giuliani told reporters that the president's lawyers have not heard back from Mueller's office in nearly three weeks. Remember their back and forth love letters? You know, will you set me free? Check this box. (laughs) Um, Three weeks. Um, And and Giuliani says he's he figured he thought that, that they would at least hear something back after the Manafort trial, but they didn't. Mueller's office has told Giuliani that they're still studying the latest letter from the Trump team. Uh, And Giuliani was like, it's only five or six pages. Can't you read? And uh, I'm paraphrasing. Um, Giuliani says he he figures they're planning something like issuing a report without interviewing the president or he thinks Mueller might be weighing uh, issuing a subpoena. Other options are he could be waiting until after the midterms to to make his next move. Um, September 1st, incidentally. Um, marked the Giuliani-imposed deadline for major Mueller activity. But note that it's not until September 7th that we will actually be within 60 days of the election. Uh, And I'll talk a little bit more about um, what kind of bullshit I think his deadline
2: is. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think is the reason why Mueller's team is not responsive
3: right now? I think they're they're weighing a subpoena. Nice. I think they're done. I think they've done their due diligence. I think they can show they've done their due diligence, and I think they're just going to subpoena his ass. Yeah. I was hoping they would do it before September fourth because that's when the Kavanaugh hearings begin, mm-hmm. uh, which is Tuesday. But yeah, it's already the weekend, so I don't know. Yeah, I think it's either that or
2: just because Mueller is so traditional, waiting for the elections to run their
3: course makes sense as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I kind of I disagree with that a little bit. Um, in that I don't think I don't know Trump's not a candidate, but uh, you know, yeah. could, who who knows what Mueller's thinking? There's no way to know. He mm-hmm. doesn't ever talk. <laughs> Uh, Then something of note dropped Monday evening. According to the Wall Street Journal, Manafort sought a plea deal during his Virginia trial, but the talks broke down based on issues raised by Mueller's team. The talks took place while the jury was deliberating in his first trial that would eventually find him guilty on eight counts with a hung jury, leading to a mistrial on the remaining 10 counts. The prosecution had until August 29th to tell the court if it was going to retry the 10 counts, but they filed a motion to ask for more time, which the judge granted Thursday. We did get the release of over 2,100 pieces of evidence for the upcoming trial in D.C., and there's lots of interesting bits in there, including Trump's name is is in a few of the emails, some bits about Project Veritas, uh, and all the photos of all the tacky clothes are going to be allowed. They weren't allowed in the last one, (laughs) but I guess Amy Jackson wants to see them. Like socks? (laughs) the three-quarter sleeve (laughs) python jacket disgusting (laughs) um the trial was set to begin september 17th but has been pushed back to september 24th nobody knows why but it's probably because the defense asked for another week to review the evidence since the evidence took a week it was delayed by a week coming out um regarding the talks breaking down Mueller's team has declined to comment which means we get to guess yay um What we do know is that Mueller raised the Mueller is the one who raised concerns. And here's what I think. And please note that this is conjecture. I'm not a lawyer. But I think about when I think about this, I think about what we learned from the rural juror in the first Manafort trial. I will never forget you, rural juror.
5: I'll always be glad
3: I met you, rural juror. The the rural juror was the lady that came forward and told us all that it was just one juror that was hung up on the remaining 10 counts and even though she was a Trump supporter she was compelled to vote guilty on all 18 counts because of the strength of the evidence the documentary evidence Uh, what we also learned from her is that the jury threw out Gates' testimony because they thought he was not credible he's a slimeball, he's a dick he was a liar and a thief and they simply didn't take anything he had to say seriously even though he would have gotten 100 years for lying on the stand they're like he's a dick, we don't like him (laughs) So what if Mueller began questioning the credibility of Manafort as a witness? We always hear that testimony is gold, right? I've said it. But what if you're a complete piece of shit and the documentary evidence against you is your star witness like it was in in the Manafort in the first trial? Manafort's testimony could actually hurt the case. So his proffer might not have been worth it, the cost-benefit analysis, uh, in order for Mueller to let him off the hook. By not cooperating early on, Manafort might have fucked himself because now that he's guilty on eight counts, his credibility as a witness could be gone, dashed. And and Mueller might realize that his documentation is enough to convict whomever Manafort would roll on. And there's another theory out there that uh, the talks broke down because Manafort just wouldn't pony up the goods. Um, we'll see.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's an internal sort of standard that they set for maybe how many times someone gets caught in a perjury situation, you know, that they'll be forced to essentially label them as like a un in un un <laughs> <Unreniable>. incredible <laughs> in, it's not incredible an incredible incredible yeah, incredible non credible yeah, witness tainted yeah that is interesting to think though i really hope i hope that they can't they don't have to throw out manafort
3: yeah and and I could be wrong, he could have the most amazing and intense information and he's just not willing to hand it over
2: right i mean he does for sure, yeah, so.
3: Yeah, but uh, but he could be completely tainted. Uh, he, they might have learned in the trial using Gates as a witness that he's, he's useless, useless to them. <laughs> he
2: also <loves> he's useless.
3: <laughs> he useless. I, I also know. think it's important to note that Manafort was found not
2: guilty on zero counts. <laughs> he was None not acquitted at all. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and we still don't know if they're going to retry those 10 counts. So, um, Put some beans on it. Um uh, Somebody said this week that when Maddow pauses, they expect her to say, put some beans on it, and they <laughs> and they get sad when she doesn't. That's funny. Then we had some awesome reporting about a trip Nunez, that's Devin Nunez, that's Jordan's boyfriend, took to Europe on his never-ending quest to discredit the Mueller probe. And joining us today to tell us about what he was doing abroad is MSNBC analyst and staff writer for The Atlantic who broke this story, Natasha Bertrand. Natasha, welcome to Mueller, she wrote. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I'm like really honored. I can't believe you're. Here. I kind of have like a little. I'm nerding out a little bit that I'm talking to you. So for bear with me. Uh, so do I have this right? Nunez, mullet boy, thought he could go to Europe and outspy Christopher Steele.
1: Basically, yeah. He he went over there and he had planned to meet with the heads of MI6 or at least high high, high level officials in MI6, MI5, and GCHQ. Um, and they could not find time for him and I'm told that he was snubbed essentially and that when he wanted to have these meetings with them they were very concerned um, understandably about his track record with dealing with sensitive and classified information um, he has been known to compromise uh, sources and, and methods in the past when it comes to to kind of undermining this Mueller investigation so they were understandably uh, wary about entertaining his, his request for a meeting. So he came away meeting only with the deputy national security advisor and it's unclear to me uh, whether or not he actually gleaned anything of value from that meeting um, but it's highly unlikely that they would have told him anything about someone who served in their own intelligence service.
3: <laughs> Do we know anything ab- ab- more about what he was trying to get? Any like specifics on the things he was looking for or how long he was there and if my taxpayer money paid for this?
1: <laughs> yeah, so all good questions. I think that what I'm told is that he was looking for information about Chris Steele's record um, in MI6. Of course, he was there for just over two decades. Um, He was uh, the head of the the Russia desk at at MI6 and he was kind of trying to dig up dirt on whether or not that Steele ever had any problems um, with his superiors or whether or not he ever kind of broke the rules. And he kind of, you know, all in the name of discrediting him. And he also wanted to discuss with MI5, I'm told, whether or not MI5 knew about his Steele's ongoing communication with Bruce Orr, the top Justice Department official, um, who is the president's like favorite target now um, after Peter Strzok uh, and Andy McCabe were fired. He's kind of set his sights on Bruce Orr, who has known Steele since 2007. They've been, they've been friends for over a decade, and Bruce was very concerned about what Steele was telling him, and so he kind of debriefed him over the course of, of a couple months between 2016 and 2017 about the intelligence that he had found about Trump and Russia. So, of course, Devin Nunes was trying to kind of stir up trouble and try to figure out, oh, well, was he doing this covertly without the knowledge of his own um, uh, authorities? And, of course, what I'm told is that he would have been given, he would have been disappointed because MI5 and and British authorities, in fact, did know about uh, Steele and Orr's communication.
3: Okay, the ore or thing makes more sense to me than steel because I mean, didn't Nunez's own memo say that the steel dossier was not what kicked off the investigation? I, I'm trying to figure out. Like, it seems like he's grasping for straws at this point.
1: Right, and he's using. I mean, he's still is kind of peddling this this talking point that the dossier was the entire basis of the FBI's investigation. That really hasn't changed much. He says that it was the basis of the, the FISA warrant to spy on Carter Page, et cetera, even though, you know, none of that is actually true. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've set their sights on, People within the Justice Department who they think had a hand in launching the Russia investigation, including Bruce Orr, um, who who actually didn't have have a role in in launching the investigation itself. Um, that was an FBI counterintelligence counterintelligence investigation. But of course, when you when you kind of dig in and, and attack the DOJ and FBI enough, um, then that talking point that it's all a witch hunt can can take hold.
3: Yeah, although it seems this with this new Washington Post polling that's out that it might not be working as well as they planned.
1: Right. It seems like the President's approval rating is is kind of at an all- time low right now. Uh, I think it's like what sixty percent of people now disapprove of his of his uh, job performance. So so, yeah, I mean, the Mueller investigation, I think it's hard to to criticize something that we really know so little about. I mean, we Mueller has been very, very, quiet um throughout the year and a half that he's been investigating all of this whereas the president of course has been very loud um so i also don't think that the president is used to to actually being held accountable for anything so the fear that he now will be um scrutinized over you know people like michael cohen flipping on him alan weisselberg um you know what bruce Orr may now tell the house intel committee senate intel committee um i think is is reason for panic
3: yeah especially considering if the house flips that that democrats are going to take over these committees and subpoena's will most definitely follow so i mean i i can see how the walls might be closing in a little bit
1: <laughs> right and we saw that list that republicans are circulating now of all of the investigations that the democrats plan to launch if and when they do take the house and it really you know it all has to do with Trump's ties to Russia, his business conflicts, um, you know the security clearance issue. Um, it's it's going to be a a busy busy time um, late this year and early next year if the Democrats do take over because they're going to, I think, return with a vengeance. There's a lot that the Republicans have obstructed by way of actually thoroughly investigating all of this all of all of trump's um many conflicts of interest his many contacts with the russians um the republicans have kind of acted like the defense lawyers for the people that have been brought before the committees um rather than people rather than actual investigators um is what i've been told so it should be interesting what we what we glean from that
3: (laughs) yeah that list is funny it almost reads like a confessional it's like thanks guys uh, oh, Jordan has a question for you. What's up, Jordan? Um,
2: hello. This is Jordan. Hey, I am the one that gets uh, the lovely title of Nunez being my boyfriend because I said he was attractive one time. <laughs> I
1: oh my god! <laughs>
2: you will never live that down. No, no, never. That's how it's been going. Uh, I I had a question for you that I think you would know more about than anybody else currently. It's so the talking point that I've been seeing for Nunez and for those select GOP members that are still allied with Trump as strongly as they are, is uh, that Bruce Orm had a wife who has a potentially, you know, conflicting position within this. Could you talk a little bit about that and just how that can be negated and how it's, it's you know, basically a Nunberger that
1: his wife has the position she has? Definitely. So Nellie Orr is a linguist. She's an expert in Russian studies. Um, she's fluent in Russian. So her role, and she was a professor, ambassador, my alma mater, so I may be a little biased here. Um, but she, her role for Fusion GPS was as a contractor. And so what they would do was she never had a permanent position there. She was kind of brought in on an ad hoc basis to, for example, translate documents that were um, given to Fusion that were in Russian. She was there to look for for Russian media reports that would perhaps bolster intelligence that was given to fusion by outside sources. Um, so she was there as kind of the, the translator. Um, but during the whole Steele dossier debacle, I don't actually know, and this is something I've been trying to figure out, what role she actually played in in that project per se? I'm told that there may have been a few times when she was brought in to translate things, and again to to look for evidence in Russian media reports that some of the things that Steele was reporting um, were accurate and could be backed up. But that was really the extent of it. And of course, there is no evidence that what she was doing in any way influenced what her husband was doing. They've all they've both known Steele for quite some time. Again, for over a decade. So by you know her working for fusion is kind of just a weird coincidence i think
2: yeah that's definitely what it seems like and of course the gop or their select members are trying to take this as an opportunity to say it was a big collusion effort on on their, on their side so um yeah i appreciate the insight into that i just wanted to know
3: some accurate facts about her and her involvement yeah of course Anyway, I'm really glad you were able to join us today. Everybody, MSNBC contributor and staff writer for The Atlantic who broke the story. Congratulations again on this. Natasha Bertrand, thank you. I'm so happy we got to speak with her, you guys. I hope she comes back. She's such an amazing reporter. She's awesome. Yeah. And I've, I love watching her on MSNBC. She breaks everything down. She's super succinct. She's got really great organization of thought. She's just, she's awesome. Yeah. I like how She talks. She's got a pretty mouth. Yeah, Good words.
2: Yeah. Well, it's like easy to comprehend, you know, like an approachable. Yeah. She presents things in a very approachable way.
3: Yeah. Very easy to understand. So that's and being that is one of our missions here. uh, I appreciated having her on. So, yeah. Thank you, Natasha. Yeah. Wednesday, we found out from CNN that prosecutors declined to grant immunity to a second Trump organization employee, and and that person was not called before the grand jury. The details are super limited. In fact, that's about it. Um, (laughs) So they didn't talk about when they discussed this potential immunity. Was it before or after Cohen pleaded guilty or was it right close to it? Uh, why didn't they call him to testify? They didn't say that. And and we don't even know who it is. So it's kind of a dud story unless we can get the details on when their discussion happened, because if it happened close to or after Cohen's guilty plea, that kind of adds to our, you know, conjecture that uh, prosecutors are going after more than just Cohen in this case. Totally. Uh, then Trump fired McGahn via tweet, though he said he was resigning. Um, but like all Trump White House resignations, McGann was taken by surprise uh, and told,
5: <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> "Surprise, you're resigning." <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. Whoa, it was kind of like when it happened to Comey. It's happened to a lot of people. They learned by tweet, and that's how it, that's how it goes down. We put beans on this a while back when we predicted Emmett T. Flood. Remember? Q? Mm-hmm. I said he's coming in as a ringer, man. He's going to take over McGann's job. So I, I was probably less surprised than McGann was. Um, But it's important to note that McGahn did offer 30 hours of testimony about obstruction of justice to Mueller's team. And since Priebus and Bannon still have the same lawyer um, as McGahn, that means they're all cooperating. Otherwise, one lawyer uh, wouldn't be able to represent all of them. It would be unethical. Mm -hmm. So remember that. And remember, the firing of McGahn is just going to be added to the pile of obstruction of justice Mm -hmm. in the end.
2: I'd be curious to see if he switches his lawyer now that he's resigning slash fired.
3: Oh, with McGann does?
2: Yeah, because on one hand, unfortunately, there's the possibility of them all being under the same lawyer because their story is all the same, but on the wrong side.
3: <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, what no, not, not after 30 hours of testimony and he still hasn't switched lawyers. I, I tend to think that they're, he's cooperating. And, yeah. and it's been said, he said, we're fully cooperating. And uh, yeah, the only I can't I think that they if they don't have the same lawyer after he's fired or resigns. Um, And the reason he's staying on is because they want to push the Kavanaugh nomination through. Mm -hmm. But I I think the reason wouldn't wouldn't have anything to do with uh, a change in story. It might just have to do with a change in legal strategy. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'm hoping so, too. Fingies crossed. Fingies. (laughs) Um, We also learned Wednesday that Mueller filed a motion Monday to block Concord Management and Consulting to join Andrew Miller's appellate case. So Concord Management is a Russian firm that's been indicted by Mueller. And Andrew Miller is Roger Stone's cabin boy. He's the one, then he's the scheduler, and he's the one who held himself in contempt of court so that he could appeal Mueller's constitutionality to the, to the D.C. Court of Appeals. Concord is the entity that funded the Internet Research Agency. So keep your eye on that because I'm sure the judge will side with Mueller Though it would be funny to allow a Russian entity to join their side and try to make their case in high court, like it's me and the Russians we're trying to argue against Mueller's constitutionality. <clears throat> that would be funny.
2: Yeah, how does that? You, can, I didn't know you could just join a case like that.
3: They filed a motion to join. Mueller filed a motion to not let them. Basically, huh. yeah, that's like they're Russians, no, right? And they're indicted and sanctioned. God. But I, I don't know. I kind of wish they would. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the judge will let them, though. They're, They're just funny trolls sitcom. to their core. Like, do you want to add giant judicial prejudice to your case? <laughs> okay. Uh, then let's talk about this week's winner of the What the Fuck Award. Um, <laughs> the Wall Street Journal reported that the Justice Department is investigating whether a fugitive Malaysian financier named Joe Jolo, <laughs> who I'm going to call J-Lo, Laundered tens of millions of dollars through two associates and used the funds to pay a U.S. legal team that included Chris Christie and Mark Kasowitz. We know who Chris Christie is. Mm -hmm. And Mark Kasowitz, that's one of Trump's awesome lawyers. Uh, Christie is representing J.Lo in an asset forfeiture case in California. And Kasowitz is repping him in Justice Department matters. And it's not clear whether Christie or Kasowitz knew they were being paid off with laundered, embezzled money. So that's we don't know if they knew, <laughs> but f- finally here's the kicker: JLo has also retained counsel from a guy named Bobby Birchfield, who has served as an ethics advisor to the Trump administration. So he's a failure, and uh, and Ed Rogers, a Republican lobbyist, is also consulting uh, JLo. Now, here's where it gets fucking weird: Elliot Broidy is also consulting this guy, and met he met Elliot Broidy through Pras Michelle. You, you got to know who that is? No. Founding member of the Fugees? What? <laughs> <laughs> that Pros Michelle. <laughs> no way. Yeah, so now we have Ice Cube and Pros Michelle around Oh, this up is great. This. Wait,
4: who are the Fugees? Killing Me Softly. Um, oh, yeah. The Fugees. Yeah, Lauren Hill. Lauren
3: originated with that crew. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Wycliffe. Mm-hmm. Jean. Yeah. Nice. And. Uh, no, and the other guys, <laughs> yeah, and the other guys. Uh, that makes
2: sense. We got Kardashians and and Wests. That's true. Kardashians She's, and Wests, yeah. and
3: Ice Cube, and now the Fugees. Um, oh, yes. Anyway, he he may have been Pras Michael may have or Michelle, excuse me, may have been one of the associates that laundered money with JLo, not Jennifer Lopez, uh, <laughs> Jolo, the Malaysian financier fugitive, and the Justice Department is investigating whether or not Broidy tried to sell his access to Trump to Chinese and Malaysian governments. So Jolo is is so close to the Malaysian Prime Minister, uh, Najib Razak, uh, who we reported on a while back for being arrested in Kuala Lumpur for money laundering. Mm-hmm. Remember when we got his yacht and we're like, let's go party on his yacht? Yeah. That was the a- asset forfeiture case and now Chris Christie is repping his friend in his asset forfeiture case and they got introduced through a guy from the Fugees what the fuck is happening? It's reality TV now. That's, I guess, what you get when you vote for a
2: reality star. Yeah, seriously. Mueller's office is probably just like, please, just stop.
3: <laughs> we do not have the resources to pursue. Just don't, yeah. don't bring, uh, don't bring uh, childish Gambino into this, okay? Yeah, oh, no, yeah. <clears throat> How did he not win Video of the Year? Whatever. Yeah. That's crazy, right? Yeah. I, of course, I didn't see any of the other ones, but still. <laughs> Uh, We're still on Wednesday, by the way. Mueller's team is asking to review emails between Manafort and one of his former lawyers. You never do this because normally those emails would be protected by attorney-client privilege, but these emails are special attorney-client privilege does not apply when the client hires the lawyer to help him commit a crime. It's called the crime-fraud exception to attorney-client privilege and we've (laughs) talked about it before. And that's what Mueller, I'm not guessing, Mueller says that's what's happening here in his filing. So Mueller wants to see four emails and they're asking for the attorney to also testify. So you tell me, um, is Manafort still being investigated? (laughs) Superseding indictments are coming. That's conjecture, but we're right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Business Insider reports this week that bank examiners and the feds are investigating an unusually large payment deposited into the account of the Russian ambassador to the U.S. Sergei Kislyak. You know when it happened? 2017. November
2: 2016. Oh. Oh. Oh, Right
3: after the election. He got $120,000 payment. It came from a Russian embassy, and we have long since suspected the Russians are using their embassies to move money around the U.S. Un- unnoticed. The check was marked payroll. However, it was more than twice as much as the ambassador makes in a year. As a refresher, Kushner met with Kislyak in December 2016 to set up a back channel. Flynn was fired for lying about meeting with Kislyak. Uh, Sessions recused himself for lying to Congress about meeting with Kislyak, and Trump told Kislyak in the Oval Office that he fired Comey because of the Russia thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure, though, that this $120,000 payment is nothing.
2: Oh yeah, who is the
3: payee on that payroll check? Uh, who got it? Sorry, not payee. Pay your the payer. Uh, the, uh, the Russian embassy. Ah, yeah. Then they've been funneling money money through the embassies. Yeah, <laughs> for
2: a while. Maybe they just gave everyone a 200% pay raise. <laughs> <laughs> just
3: the, for that day yeah. just just right after the election
2: <laughs> yeah yeah. they did just Ooh. to cover it up everyone gets paid double today congratulations yeah, you a lot complain. Of
3: all that envelope stuffing you, that's what you get um, Wednesday a big story dropped about Paul Ryan's super PAC using classified security clearance application information from democratic opponents as opposition research and this is fucking gross and Jaleesa is going to go over, over that later for us uh, and Papadopoulos accepted a plea deal and he decided he will not fight the charges. His sentencing happened September 7th. I think it's interesting that there was chatter about Papadop maybe blowing up his plea deal and going rogue and having a trial. But it's no wonder he had second thoughts after we found out from the rural juror that they threw out Gates' testimony and that talks about Manafort's plea deal fell apart when Mueller had concerns. So that, that could could have been part of it or he just realized he didn't want to go through what Manafort's going through. Mm-hmm. Finally, Thursday happened. (laughs) It took a while, but Thursday came and we found out Trump wanted to buy decades of dirt on himself from the Inquirer leading up to the election. And this is important because if he spent money on this and if it influenced the election and he didn't report it, that's a felony. And if he and if he did this in um, cahoots with Pecker and some other folks, then then we have conspiracy. According to multiple Trump associates, he and Cohen planned to buy the whole safe's worth of Trump dirt going back to the 80s from Pecker uh, and the Inquirer in the months leading up to the election. And if you remember the recording of the tape, you know, with Cohen's tape, where he said he had to set up a company in his name for, quote, all that info, all that info, indicating it was more than just the McDougal payoff he wanted to buy from David, which is David Pecker. (laughs) David, air quotes. David, air quotes. Dave. <laughs> it can be any Dave.
2: So yeah. in a in a perfect fantasy world, he would get charged Trump. Being he, he would get charged with conspiracy to commit a federal election campaign violation, and also actually committing that campaign violation.
3: He could be charged with wire fraud, bank fraud, tax fraud, RICO um, violations, He's campaign finance world? violations. Sexual mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sexual assault. Yeah, we. I don't know if they could tie that in just from the no. recordings, but well, <laughs> I can't get it. Yeah. You if never he paid know. to do
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> that um,
3: prostitution. That would be an interesting throw in. There. <laughs> just
2: prostitution. Is that the end? Plot it's, twist. It's still illegal. Do I guess it's just a legal question then. So with all of those potential charges, then do you essentially get to double down on that by charging them with
3: conspiracy to commit all of those things? Right. If there's more than uh, one person involved and it's known to be. a, And then there's also misprision. Mm -hmm. You know, they could be charged with that, too, when you know you're covering up a felony. Yeah. So there's tons of different things in here. Um, And also, uh, you know, I need to remind everyone weisselberg was the one who was going to set it all up and that was noted on the tape and and in fact cohen was like weisselberg alan weisselberg like he said his full name like yeah that's funny
2: (laughs) and he's immune yeah he has immunity
3: but the deal never went through guys to buy all the shit ami backed out and advised cohen to shred the documents (laughs) and cohen did not Uh then if that weren't enough, another top executive from AMI named Howard, who is the guy uh that removed all the Trump dirt from the safe. He he went in after the election, got all the Trump dirt out of the safe and whisked it away in the night to somewhere <laughs> we, we don't know where. He threw it in the ocean. <laughs> but, I, but I love sets it free in the ocean. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. But, or returns it to the devil. <laughs> <laughs> These are yours, I believe. <laughs> I'll be I'll see you tomorrow.
3: <laughs> see you tomorrow. Same time. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, anyway so so he was granted immunity mr info whisker deal with the devil (laughs) and the associated press reported thursday that the inquirer and ami are in serious financial trouble like they're almost bankrupt and they have been for a while like for the last couple few years so then the question becomes why would ami be willing to make these large payments to trump playmates and run bullshit covers for him if the paper was sinking why would howard and pecker be willing to tank the paper to cover for trump was trump Paying them off or promising them you be secretary of the army or something like what's going on there. And with these two executives that now have immunity, I'm
2: sure we'll find out. Mm-hmm. So even if the deal didn't go through, he could still be charged with conspiracy to commit that.
3: Yeah. And, and that's important to, to, to remind Rudy Giuliani, who actually went to law school, even though I didn't, that you don't have to commit or complete the crime in order for you to have been conspired to commit one. Right. Attempted <laughs> murder is still a really big deal. <laughs> that is. Like, uh, you know, like when they say, oh, the Trump Tower meeting, nothing came of it. So it doesn't matter. No, it does. If you conspire. And uh, anyway, yeah. they, they don't seem to understand that. Or at least they do fully understand it. And they're trying to convince their idiot base that that's the case. Correct. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, Judge Ellis himself also was like, remember when he told the prosecutors, let's not bring up, you know, fraudulent loans that didn't
3: actually go through. Yeah, and he had to apologize for saying that because Mm -hmm. that's not how the law works. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. I forgot about that. Um, Finally, we get to Friday. And I was really looking forward to Friday because it was the last full day before the Giuliani window of prosecution um that some assume muller can't operate inside of right like from september 1st after labor day you can't wear white and <laughs> you can't indict <laughs> oh my god what if muller does
4: both that'd be so
3: sexy <laughs> uh, he comes out in a white he has a white shirt right yeah yeah don't wear white don't indict that's if you have if you have trouble remembering what to do that's so good in the after labor day I love that. um Or he he may operate, just not release any charges or plea agreements or indictments or referrals or motions. Uh, But then again, he might just keep going because Trump is not a candidate and the DOJ policy can be easily overridden by Rosenstein anyhow. And it's more of a guideline. It's Mm -hmm. not even a rule. It's just a norm.
4: A principle matter. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So Friday started out pretty slow with the news that two lawyers have left Mueller's team and everyone asked me, what's going on? Um, Well, here's what we know. We know two lawyers left. Uh, and here's what I think. One of the lawyers was, well, I know he was working on the Van der Swan case and the other guy was working on Russian indictments. And I think they're just finished uh, with their work. <laughs> their specialties are no <laughs> longer needed. They came in to work on the Russian indictments, one of them, and the other guy was a computer guy and he was working on the Van der Swan case. So maybe they just don't need him anymore. Or the computer guy was working on the Russian indictments. Sorry. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure we'll find out sooner or later. But Mueller's team says they actually made a statement. They said that they didn't leave for any untoward reason. Mm-hmm. Good. I believe it.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's rare they actually issue a statement over those things.
4: Well, you know, gossip it makes an impression, so they have to, I guess, clear the air. Definitely. Yeah,
3: yeah. But it is weird, right? Yeah, it was a very short statement. Nothing to see here. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to go back to indicting your asses. Um, and Friday started to heat up a little when we got word from the Associated Press that Bruce Orr said Christopher Steele told him in a breakfast meeting on July 30th in 2016 that Russia had Trump, quote, over a barrel. Uh, which is a horrible mental picture. Yeah, like
2: getting spanked? (laughs) Uh, Bent
3: over a barrel? Is that what? Yeah, I
2: think more Pulp Fiction.
3: Mm. Okay, yeah. yeah. And I'm not going to play the clip because (laughs) (laughs) kids could be listening. And in that, the guy who was over the barrel actually comes back and kills the shit out of everybody. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, Fusion GPS, uh, Orr's wife worked for Fusion GPS, Nellie, and they both are under constant Twitter siege from Fuckface McGee because they know what he did um we had known that these two had had breakfast uh, steel and or but that little nugget has been missing from the reports it wasn't in russian roulette which is where we got most of that information so interesting <laughs> over a barrel thanks for that mental picture <laughs> on friday then later on, the U.S. Attorney in D.C. filed a motion to impose a gag order on Butina's lawyers, and I we kind of saw this coming because Butina, first of all, Butina is the Russian NRA lady, friend of Torsion, dating Paul Erickson, mm-hmm. you know, wrapped up in the Mayflower stuff, and she's kind of a wannabe spy, and um, and she was really working hard on influencing the election, particularly the the RNC platform at the uh, or the Republican platform at the RNC again, you know, for uh, regarding Ukraine. But uh, she was moved from prison to prison. She's in jail right now because um, she's a flight risk. And uh, anyway, they put a gag order on her lawyers because her lawyers are, are out talking to the press like, hey, here's what's happening, blah, blah, blah. Right. So they're like, nope, no more. No more talking to the press. So we'll see what that happens with it. The, but they, they did issue the gag order. No, the U.S. attorney filed a motion to impose a gag order. I don't know if it's been approved yet or not. Not not as of s- this recording. So, mm-hmm. But then Friday delivered hard. We had a felony Friday, and I'll go over that in Hot Notes. But before we go to break, we have some feel-good polls. Uh, I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you, but they're going to make you very happy. (laughs) Throughout the past months, I've promised things would go our way, and I've done what I could to help you guys tread water and keep, keep a hold on hope, right, that justice would prevail. And then we had that amazing Tuesday, and things were looking up. And now a Washington Post poll just came out with some awesome shit uh, it gives Trump a 36% approval rating lowest to date and a 60% disapproval rating and what's funny is all the Trump supporters on Twitter think that it means a 60% approval rating which is hilarious because they don't read um, <laughs> this is an all time haters gonna hate record it is like 60% disapproval rating is huge also 49% of Americans say Congress should begin impeachment hearings while 46 say they should not more people think we should have impeachment hearings. 53% say they think Trump has tried to interfere with Mueller's investigation in a way that amounts to obstruction, while 35% say he ha- he hasn't. And 45% approve of Trump's handling of the economy, while 47% disapprove. So his one big thing, the economy, mm-hmm. we're still, he's underwater on it. This is uh, proof that Americans aren't buying his bullshit attempts to discredit Mueller, nor are they buying Giuliani's Lube the Truth tour, which we've been covering for a while. And further, 63% of Americans support the Mueller investigation now. It was 48. Remember? It's Mm -hmm. 63% now since since the Manafort guilty verdict. Uh, And only 29% oppose this investigation. And 67% say Mueller's case against Manafort was justified, while only 17% say it wasn't. That's lower than his core base of like 35%, 20%, 30%. 53% oppose Trump pardoning Manafort, and only 18% support it. And 64% say he shouldn't fire Sessions, with only 19% saying he should. Wow. 61% of Americans think Trump committed a crime, while only 31% say he did not. So the tide is turning, my friends, and yeah. that's
4: before shit really pops off. I feel like once everything starts getting laid down, the bigger indictments. I mean, we're already so close to a ma- it's a majority, but like you know, a solid like seventy five
3: plus majority. Like we're not that far away. Well, and the reason for this m- major turn, if you look at if you kind of break the numbers down, it's the independents. Oh, since the Manafort trial, mm-hmm. the Manafort guilty verdict that have mm-hmm. flipped. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Still, a lot of Republicans support him, and still a lot of Democrats support M- Mueller. Mm-hmm. But it's those independents making that, the difference that have jumped over onto nice. the onto the right side of history, basically.
2: Yeah, it's so much hinged on that trial, and and the fact that it went the way that it did is huge.
3: Yeah. So, thanks, Mueller. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Manafort. <laughs> Keep the faith, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, Mueller junkies. I wanted to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called The Daily Zeitgeist. It's a daily comedic news podcast from How Stuff Works, and it's hosted by Jack O'Brien, who is the founder of Cracked.com and the former host of The Cracked Podcast. Every weekday, Jack and his co-host, Miles Gray, and a guest comedian, yay, guest comedians, will take you through the most important events and interesting ideas that are driving the news cycle. They'll make you laugh while they tell you exactly what's going on in the nation's mind. Some of the recurring segments include Over Under, which is an analysis of things in the culture that are either overrated or underrated at that time. Mengazi, this is a digest of all the men being caught behaving badly. There's The Bloid Watch, which is a weekly report on the narratives being published by the tabloids, and Google Trend Skim, which is a look at what America's searching for. New episodes are released every weekday with a weekly roundup on the weekend. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So please check out The Daily Zeitgeist. And thanks for listening. Hot notes. Hello, welcome back. Today, Jordan is going to cover the Bloomberg Trump interview. But first, Julisa has a disturbing story on the Paul Ryan super PAC using Democratic security clearance applications as Oppo research. Jalisa, do you want to tell us about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, super
4: disturbing. So, the New York Times reported this that basically one of Paul Ryan super PACs, the Congres- Congressional Leadership Fund, illegally obtained the full unredacted security clearance form of former CIA officer and Democratic candidate Abigail Spanberger through a FOIA request and then immediately began began using it against her in the campaign. So she's running against Republican Congressman Dave Brad in a super competitive district in Virginia. And basically what happened is the Trump administration gave extremely personal information about this Democratic candidate to a Republican opposition research firm, and then they gave that information to reporters. And here's why that's really bad. So first of all, it's illegal for the government to release someone's security clearance form without their permission because it includes super sensitive information like the applicant's full social security number, their medical history, family history, relationship history, all that stuff. And the government is supposed to protect that kind of information. Secondly, to release this information, it's a threat to national security. So security clearance applications are designed to figure out if you have anything that makes you a liability. Anything that basically is, could be used against you by a foreign adversary. And I mean, it basically, if the person is squeaky clean, it's still an, an issue that the exposure of their personal information could put them and their agency at risk. So journalists aren't even allowed to file FOIA requests to get someone's full security clearance application. And even if they try, they just be sent back like a super blacked out redacted version that they can't even read. And that's to protect the information. It's the way it's always been until now. So as a result of all of this, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee just sent out a warning to all Democratic congressional candidates who may have submitted a security clearance to prepare for their information being leaked by the Trump administration. And so this comes after Trump strips the security clearances of government officials like Brennan. And so now we have this. And uh, for me, I was just, this is conjecture now. I basically feel like the biggest issue is not the fact that that it's private information being submitted. It's Trump finding any way possible to use his authority as president to to be political and An abusive power. Absolutely, right? yeah. And so some people are just saying like, oh, she just you know this is politics as usual. Like people always leak information. This is coming from Trump, so it's a huge deal.
3: Yeah, and it's not. And when you're when you're pressuring um, federal agencies to get you know to hurt your political opponents that's abuse of power it was it was a, a an article of impeachment for nixon when he was pressuring the irs to do tax totally. audits of all the democratic candidates
4: yeah and they're trying to blame uh, the, the u.s postal service they're like oh you should go check with them and see why they let your information <laughs> okay, go. Yeah. go bob sitting <laughs>
3: there. In the well the u.s postal service a- apologized <laughs> oh, and this really? is why i think he put the he put the the you know his thumb down on the u s Postal Service yeah. remember earlier when he was trying to get the postmaster general pressuring them to raise the rates on Amazon exactly mm-hmm. yeah well, the USPS issued a statement saying, we're sorry we did this it was human error and then at the end they just kind of go it's happened a couple other times, but it won't happen again oh okay. so like it ha- you've done this on for others like and who and and it's just sort of stopped there and that's the frightening thing and that has to indicate to me that Trump is putting pressure on the on the postmaster general in some way he's, mm-hmm. he's maybe he's got some sort of a dirt on on the postmaster general and is, is making this happen that's all conjecture
4: yeah but I mean it's super likely and it's become the new normal this is just something like you said it's scary because they might just get away with doing things like this that little by little just chip away at the privacy of high
3: officials yeah I mean, and why why else would the post but the post office take the blame mm mm-hmm. that's
2: well yeah I'm kind of wondering what could they have done wrong that's that warrants them getting you know
3: apologizing it says that basically what they're indicating what the implication is is that it was a human error they received a FOIA request and released a full unredacted document by an error but then they said Mm -hmm. they've also done this a few other times and they're real sorry and it won't happen again We should probably find out the other times then. They said they're looking into it. Well, I hope she brings a lawsuit because this breaks HIPAA. It breaks privacy laws. Totally. It's against the law. This isn't just one of those norms. Right. It's a
4: a huge deal. Yeah. She uh, did a cease and desist. But yeah, I wonder if she'll do a a lawsuit.
3: And did you see the letter um, they sent out to all the dumb candidates? Totally. Yeah. Basically saying
4: that prepare for for your security clearance forms to be released Mm -hmm. if you've ever done one. You know, if you have a national security background. So, yeah. and a lot of Democratic candidates are running with that background. It's a huge wave of like former CIA There's people. There's good
3: 15 and, or 20 at least.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're being targeted specifically. Mm-hmm. That's like
2: a cheat card for campaign oppo research, too.
4: Totally. Yeah, it's <laughs> everything. It's like, have you ever smoked pot? You know? <laughs> like yeah, a document looking for
2: things that make them potentially like <laughs> not trustable. Yeah. yeah. And
4: her thing specifically is that I guess she used to work at um, some Islamic school. She did a uh, substitute teaching. And so that's what they're trying to use against her the most in these like attack ads and these she robocalls. taught brown children she taught brown children well the thing is people at the school have uh, have been arrested like students for, for terrorism and they're saying just because they're brown and there were acts of terrorism that this is somehow a big
3: she was teaching them terrorism yeah basically yeah. That's, that's the mm, thing I see all the and Columbine
2: we're... teachers should be arrested thank you
3: <laughs> and Obama was the founder of ISIS oh yeah it's crazy but i'm sure it's working with the base wait you guys it's all coming together to me now (laughs) we're gonna have to cancel this podcast because it's clear to me what's happening oh yeah i've been i'm i'm gonna go join q enough
4: (laughs) you've been (laughs) bamboozled we've been so q boozled
3: (laughs) you've been q boozled oh man all right. Well, that's frightening. Yeah. Um, gee, Thank you for that reporting. And of course, I. Thank this, you. this blows my mind. That's a huge story. Um, there's so many that came at us this week, but that's a that's a pretty big one. Now, Jordan. Um this was amazing. What do you have for us? That Trump Trump did an interview. What with Bloomberg? Uh,
2: yes, Bloomberg, Bloomberg was on, on the, Thursday.
3: Bloomberg was on the war path this week. By the way, <laughs> they came out strong. Like we're like they're like we're gonna get some of these Pulitzers from the New York Times and Washington Post. Watch us. So this interview. Let's let's hear about it.
2: Yeah, uh, in this segment called "I'm Calling It Trump Speaks." Please stop. <laughs> 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 when he's doing interviews, <laughs> he keeps doing interviews. Now it's like stop fucking talking. Ah, Okay. So anyway, on Thursday, Bloomberg uh, meets with him in the Oval Office. And so essentially, Trump says that they're talking about Jeff Sessions, which this has been in the news lately. Most notably, Trump calling Sessions an ineffective attorney general, essentially, that is not loyal to him. And he talks to Bloomberg. He continues this narrative. He says that he will allow Sessions to stay at least until November, despite him allowing this quote-unquote illegal investigation to continue what a benevolent guy trump is he's oh. gonna he's gonna let his attorney general stay through november <laughs> when bloomberg follows up with that comment and then asks him if he was gonna let Sessions stay past november trump declined to comment sketchy as fuck so some good quotes from this interview some quotes include quote-unquote i do question what jeff is doing i just want to lo- i sorry i would love to have him do a great job all right <laughs> so weird yeah, so, um, of course, this is him trying to spin this narrative that Sessions is maybe in cahoots with other forces trying to undermine Donald Trump. But because he's such a great guy, he's going to let him stay in
3: his position that Ridiculous. he appointed him for. Well, we all know Jeff Sessions to be the liberal deep state fellow that was oh, exactly. all grown in love, completely oh, yeah. tolerant, not bigoted champion. At, at all. Yep. Yeah.
2: yeah, the racist possum. We just call him that for fun. Not because it's based on anything. <laughs> Um, when, uh, when Bloomberg asked him in this interview, if Trump will accept an interview with Mueller, uh, Trump says, quote, I'll see what happens. And then he goes on to say, he goes on to say, I view it differently. I view it as an illegal investigation because quote, great scholars have said that quote, there never should have been a special counsel. Mm. All right. Once again, just going right to the
3: great scholars yeah exactly <laughs> i i love uh, carter page has a phd mm-hmm. so. wow
2: yeah that says something i guess um
3: <laughs> i don't know what it says
2: but it
3: says i'm really not as proud of my phd as i used to be <laughs> no, don't. no don't let him get one the of the pool. good ones ag <laughs>
2: yeah when yeah when he said great scholars i was trying to think of like like who's a baby socrates <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah Yeah, exactly. Great scholars. Uh, Then on Thursday evening, that same day at a rally in Indiana, Trump goes on to say that he'll have to get involved at some point if the law enforcement agencies don't, quote, straighten out. That's so messed up. It's so messed up. So reflecting on these comments that he makes to Bloomberg, basically, and on the road that same night, Republicans in Congress are now saying they expect the president to get rid of Sessions after the elections in November, despite them warning him in the past that the Senate would not be able to muster the votes to confirm a successor. So there's a growing group of the GOP that is
3: not on board for him ousting Jeff Sessions at all. Yeah, and if we flip the Congress, do you think you're going to be able to get anybody through? Right. Honestly? Right. Even now, I think you would have a hard time firing Sessions and getting anyone through, particularly the Senate. They're a little more scrupulous than than the House. But, I mean, what do you think you're doing?
2: (laughs) Yeah, and congressional members, too. It's like their patience is wearing thin. I think
3: I know what they're doing. They're trying to signal their voters that they have to vote for Republicans because if they don't, I can't fire Jeff Sessions. Exactly. Or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's true. Like, the buck is going to stop once we flip Congress blue for him. So much is going to change. There's a really good quote this week by Senator Lindsey Graham Southern California, Southern California, (laughs) Southern (laughs) Carolina, Senator, Southern Carolina. Can we stop? All right. No, we're leaving that. That's awesome.
3: I love it. <laughs> He's a Northern Carolina, Southern California. <laughs> I
2: put SC like an idiot here, so I'm like, well, well to yeah, us, Southern California. Yeah, logical. To us, that's SoCal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His accent and general demeanor uh,
3: just rings Southern California, super <laughs> surfer, like hey bro, yeah. telling in fire sessions, hell will yeah. be held yes. pay. California burrito. <laughs> now, when you say good quote, do you mean good, or do you mean interesting?
2: Um, I think it's good. Oh, okay. What did he say? I think it's good. So, Republican Senator of South Carolina, (laughs) Lindsey Graham, says, quote, he, meaning Jeff Sessions, is not the only man in the country that can be attorney general. He is a fine man. I'm not asking for him to be fired, but the relationship is not working. Graham said on NBC's today. Is there somebody who has or who is highly qualified that has the confidence of the president and will also understand that their job is to protect Mueller? Yes.
5: Mm,
3: no.
2: Right, right. Yes, I think we can find that person after the election, if that is what the president wants. So I say I like this quote mm. because of his bit about understanding that their job is to protect Mueller.
3: Yeah, he did add that. Yeah, that's, that's important. Interesting that he that he threw that in there. Maybe after his buddy McCain died, he had to come to Jesus or something. Yeah, and he's like, I can't keep being a dick. McCain's watching. hmm
2: Yeah, and and then um. So he has that interview with Bloomberg, and then he says, I'm just going to report on the other place he popped up in the media this week. In his interview with Bloomberg on Thursday, Sessions wasn't the only target. Uh, as we know, NAFTA and high-stakes trade talks have been in the news this week, with Trump going around swinging his mouth dick, as usual, with a no decorum, And some of his word vomit that was meant to be purged in private and off the record included secret and disparaging remarks about Canada. You may have heard about this. It came out in the news late this week. And they were picked up by the Toronto Star. So Trump said in his interview with Bloomberg, off the record, that he's not making any compromises at all with Canada. And that he could not say this publicly because, quote, it's going to be so insulting, they're not going to be able to make a deal. Trudeau and other high-level officials confronted Trump about these leaked remarks on Friday. And Trump goes on to say that the leak was a breach of trust, but also, good, now Canada knows how I really feel. (laughs)
3: Yeah, they were they were a little sketchy about how you felt after you, uh, you know, accuse them of burning down the White House in the eighteen uh, hundreds <laughs> when you wanted to have the the. Tariffs put on them for national security reasons. Very scary, can uh, country Canada. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's always I always fear is struck into me whenever I think of Canada. <laughs> you know
3: what probably happened is he probably said, "I'm going to say this off the record. They're a bunch of fucking assholes." And and everyone's like, "I never said you were off the record." And like just went and told the Toronto Star, like you can't just say it off the record and make it be off the record. I think it has to be agreed on by both parties.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I didn't read anything that about could,
3: it. I could be wrong. I just could just be making up that that's a Canada rule and I'm just making it up, (laughs) but I don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever happened, he, he, you know, of course takes to Twitter after this gets released and, and I love his tweet. It says, wow, I made, (laughs) I made off the record comments to Bloomberg concerning Canada and this powerful understanding was blatantly violated. Oh, well, just more dishonest reporting. I'm used to it. At least Canada knows where I stand. I feel like you could replace the words Bloomberg with Rachel and Canada with Becky, and it would read exactly the same, because our president (laughs) is a high school girl. That's exactly what uh, this reads as. So did
3: Bloomberg leak it, or the Toronto Star? No.
2: So Toronto Star didn't leak it. Someone who was in the interview or got word of what he said in the interview leaked it to the Toronto Star. Oh,
3: got it. Yeah. But Bloomberg didn't necessarily. Bloomberg was not the source.
2: Not necessarily. Yeah. I don't know if that means, you know, it was someone that works with Bloomberg (laughs) That leaked it still.
3: I personally think Trump's people leaked it. Yeah, <laughs> that that are just turning on him. Slowly. Or or to continue the fake news narrative. Yeah, that the news is attacking him. I I think this is all a Trump. Uh, yeah,
2: that's very true. Created
3: too. drama. This doesn't happen.
2: Right. Yeah. And not from the
3: Bloomberg side.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So Bloomberg was not the source of the comments themselves. It came from another source. So, you know, don't hit on Bloomberg or do I don't really care. <laughs> Just I think that it's uh, needless to say, U.S. and Canada were unable to reach a deal by Friday, which was the informal deadline set. So talks are supposed to resume on Wednesday. And uh, I'd like to end this with a classy quote that Trudeau says in response <laughs> to all of this. He says, we will only sign a deal if it is a good deal for Canada. Over the past year and a half, there's a lot of things that have been said from time to time. I think people have noticed that our government's approach is always to stay constructive, positive, to engage on the substance of issues, and to demonstrate that we understand that the path forward is one of making sure that there's a win-win-win on all sides. So I'm just going to start posting Trudeau quotes, I think, whenever I'm in need of something presidential.
3: Yeah, or just reply to Trump tweets with Trudeau quotes. Mm -hmm. I think that would be great. He would love it. He'd be like, "Thank you for sharing that immense, uh, wonderful quote." Me. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm going to steal that and then use it, old Melania style. <laughs> nice. All
3: right. Well, thank you for that. Um, I I don't want him to stop talking. I, I think it's amazing every time he opens his mouth. So yeah, this is true. All right. Well, I want to cover Felony Friday, you guys. This was so good. Remember when we saw a picture of Mueller at the National Airport uh, in close proximity to Don Jr.? Yeah. And I speculated they were flying to New York. And it turns out they were. And then we learned that Mueller was actually handing off several lobbyists to the criminal referrals on lobbyists to the Southern District of New York that included both Republicans and Democrats. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Well, one of them rolled on Friday. Oh, nice. And it was in the same court to the same judge Manafort will face September 24th. Amy, Judge (laughs) Jackson, if you're nasty. (laughs) The guy's name is Samuel Patton. He's a Republican lobbyist and associate of Paul Manafort and an employee of Cambridge Analytica. He struck a deal Friday pleading guilty to one count of failing to register as a foreign agent, and he's agreed to cooperate with the government. He was charged by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia after he was referred by Mueller, and his plea agreement stipulates now he must cooperate with Mueller. He has to cooperate with the special counsel's office. The fact that Mueller handed this off and then it was it came back to him jives perfectly with our evidence laundering theories. And additionally, he's he's I also think he's spreading this out. He's putting this in all these handing all this off to protect the investigation if something should happen to him, either with the firing of Sessions or the firing of him or the firing of Rosenstein, or the installation of a pro-Trump stooge like Benchkowski that could stymie the probe. It's just like Justice Whackamole. He's like, Here, put you have it, you have this, you have this, you have this. Go ahead, try to stop it, you know. I think it's beautiful. And because he knows anything he hands off, if it's got to do with Russia, he's going to get it back. And that's exactly what happened in this case, which we've been saying this whole time. So Samuel Patton, he worked for the same pro-Putin-Ukrainian faction that Manafort worked for, worked for, worked for <laughs> called the op- opposition bloc. And he is also allegedly the boss of Konstantin Kalimnik. That's Manafort's buddy, right? As a reminder, Kalimnik is the guy that Manafort emailed back and forth about becoming whole with Oleg Deripaska, right? He was kind of his go-between to Oleg Deripaska through private campaign briefings. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the guy Manafort was having dinner with at 666 Fifth Avenue the night Deripaska's private jet landed in Newark, and then they took off uh, for that yacht meeting in norway with the prime minister of russia and nastia Rybko was on the boat and she took the video member
2: mm-hmm. this is a uh, guy tad Devine knows a bunch about too right
3: yeah exactly and uh, kolimnik is also the dude that tried to help manafort tamper with witnesses while he was in jail and he's the co-defendant with manafort in his upcoming september 24th trial in dc though he won't be there where he's he left he snuck away <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Samuel Patton's payments also went through a Cypriot bank account, much like Manafort's did. According to the criminal information document, Patton and Kalimnik started a lobbying firm together and were paid over a million bucks from 2015 to 2017. Manafort was lobbying for Yanukovych, and Patton was lobbying for Yanukovych's chief of staff named Sergei Lavochkin. And Lavochkin was the guy who paid the tens of millions of dollars to Manafort that he laundered. The document says Patton contacted members of Congress and their staffers and State Department officials and the press on behalf of his Ukraine clients, that's Yanukovych's chief of staff, Lavochkin, he contacted all them, lobbied all them. So this Patton guy might have a connection to the two EU lobbyists we brought up in Episode 17, the two that Manafort tried to tamper with from jail, Mm -hmm. uh, using Kalimnik as a go-between. And I wonder if one of the congressmen, uh, Patton, had contacted that was mentioned in his criminal information packet was dana ronabacher mm. that's speculation but dana is the guy who everyone half jokes about getting paid by putin <laughs> he's also the guy that was briefed by Veselnitskaya about the magnitsky act same as what they happened in trump tower dana is basically the devil
5: come on i want to talk to dana dana just relax come on <laughs> dana dana can i talk to dana
0: there is no Dana, only
3: but it gets even more interesting, guys, because the charging document says it seems it seems to implicate the Trump campaign. There's a law that says inaugurals and campaigns cannot accept foreign donations. Right. We all know that. And Patton admitted to cheating that system by having a U.S. citizen, quote, straw donor, unquote, buy four tickets to the inaugural, the Trump inaugural for fifty thousand dollars. The tickets went to uh, Lavochnik, Kalimnik, Patton, and another unnamed Ukrainian. So those were the four tickets. Hmm. Uh, then Samuel Patton paid back the U.S. citizen, and then Lavochkin paid back Patton through a Cypriot account. And you guys remember that note I keep bringing up? A Manafort took during the Vesselnet Trump Tower meeting to use Cyprus as an intermediary. Was he talking about using a cy- using Cyprus as an intermediary to funnel Putin money into the Trump inaugural fund? Uh, That could have been it, too. And don't forget that Rorabacher is also connected to Veselnitskaya. So there's all these weird connections that keep coming back. Oh, yeah. And the hub seems to be the inauguration. Uh, Given the insane size of the Trump inaugural fund... And many have been questioning the math on this for a really long time. Uh, but how many others have done this like how much how much money has gone through the Trump inaugural and who is the. US citizen mentioned in the in the patent criminal document? Well, I have an idea, I have a theory and please note this is just conjecture. but according to the cooperation agreement, Patton started cooperating on May 22nd. First of all, that's how leak proof this investigation is. Patton has been cooperating for three months and we didn't hear a peep about it until he decided to make the plea agreement public. anyhow. Uh, He started cooperating on May 22nd. That same week, we reported that Mueller was looking into Vexelberg and his cousin Intrader's donations to the inaugural through Cohen's slush fund. Remember that guy? Mm -hmm. Intrader spoke to Cohen about uh, investing in the taxi business and sat with him at the the Trump inauguration. Vexelberg is Intrader's sanctioned pro-Russian Ukrainian born cousin. So check out this clip from episode 30 back in May. If Vexelberg sounds familiar, it should. His cousin, in Trader, owns and operates a company called Columbus Nova, which paid right. $500,000 to the Cohen slush fund for mm-hmm. access to mm-hmm. Trump. If you remember, Cohen set up that slush fund selling access to Trump, and it was called Essential Consulting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fucking essential. <laughs> you got it. I love it. Uh Avenatti released this information that he got from a suspicious activity report, an SAR, leaked by a law enforcement officer who thought it was weird that two of them disappeared, but one of them didn't. Mm -hmm. So there was reporting just a couple of weeks earlier that Mueller was looking into the inaugural and then, bam, Patton starts cooperating with U.S. uh, attorneys and Mueller. So so my money is on Intrader as the straw man for this. He's a U.S. citizen. His Russian cousin donated 500 large to the inaugural fund through essential consulting. Uh, And I think the fourth Ukrainian that got a ticket could be Vexelberg, but that might be a bridge too far. That's like, I'm just going out on a limb there. I don't get any money for that. This is the first time federal prosecutors have charged someone for actually dumping foreign money into the Trump inaugural. It's a big deal. And you know, there's more to come. There was at least 50 million extra dollars in that slush fund of an inaugural. And that's if he had Beyonce, uh, <laughs> which he didn't. He had Scott Bayo and like the, I don't know, I, I, I was gonna <laughs> say the Backstreet Boys, but that would have been a much better act than what he had. Back in January, we reported that um, after a year, there was still a bunch of watchdog groups trying to figure out what happened to all that Trump inaugural money. And as a reminder, they raised $107 million, which was o- twice as much as Obama's record-breaking 2008 inaugural. Imagine what Obama's inaugural cost in 2008. Double it, and then Trump spent that on his inaugural? I don't think so.
2: Yeah. It's a shame no one came out to it.
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> and who? Shame, I guess. <laughs> And do you know who ran the organizing committee for the inaugural? It was Tom Barrick. That's the guy who got Manafort the job as Trump's campaign chairman. Oh, snap. Mm. Right? And for no money. For free. Hmm. He'll work for free. Mm, Makes you wonder. Hmm. Finally, Patton admitted to lying to Congress, specifically the Senate Intelligence Committee, and he withheld documents. Friday, the Intelligence Committee made a statement. Quote, we can confirm that Mr. Patton produced documents to the committee... And was interviewed by the committee. Due to concerns about certain statements made by Mr. Patton, the committee made a criminal referral to the Department of Justice. While the charge and resultant plea today do not appear to directly involve our criminal referral, we appreciate their review of this matter. Unquote. So, no one knows if what the Intel Committee referred for has been addressed. So he lied to Congress. He violated uh, FARA. He committed conspiracy to defraud the United States. He likely violated campaign finance laws. He probably participated in wire fraud and probably computer fraud. Um, he certainly is guilty of tax fraud and bank fraud. And I'm not a lawyer, and I'm totally guessing. But he only copped to violating FARA, which carries only a max of five years and a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine. So his proffer must be bomb, mm-hmm. right? To get off of yeah. all that stuff. Now, because when you think about um, what, you know, I mean, that's kind of what's happening. Like, they'll get that one either lying to Congress or lying to the FBI agents or, or whatever. But get this. He also is tied to Cambridge Analytica. This isn't over yet. He worked with them since 2014 on multiple overseas campaigns and in, in the U.S. He was the guy, Christopher Wiley. The, uh, Christopher Wiley is the pink-haired whistleblower from Cambridge Analytica. Remember that guy? Mm-hmm. He alleged Patton was in the U.S. testing voter response to Putin. So we are not hearing the end of this because he's deeply tied to Cambridge Analytica. And I'm sure he knows Brad Parscale, who is now Trump's 2020 campaign manager. It's like full circle. You go from one shitty campaign manager to the next and they're all connected. Yeah. Why would you stop? (laughs) Why would you stop making bad decisions? You you only know assholes. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. An update on this case is due to Judge Jackson on October 31st. So we'll have a happy Halloween when we find out what happens. But we'll be right back. (laughs) Hey, Mueller junkies, thank you so much for supporting our show and supporting women in podcasting. I need to ask you for a quick favor that will not cost you a dime. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating, and then subscribe. That simple act goes a long way to helping us get the word out about the Mueller investigation, and more importantly, it expands our efforts to flip Congress blue in November. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at MuellerSheWrote to be automatically entered to win a PlayStation 4. Don't ask. Thank you so much for listening. We would not be here without you. All right guys, you ready for the fantasy indictment league? Yes. Yeah. Excellent. We got another one. Woo! The guilty plea of Sam Patton counts. This nice. was a result of a Mueller referral to the Southern District of New York. And he now has a full cooperation agreement with Mueller. So if you named Patton, if you named him by name, you get two points because he's an outer ring American. And he's been reported on a little bit uh, in the pet. Natasha Bertrand did a whole story on him back in April. Whoa. She interviewed him and everything. Um, so if you named him, you get two points. But if you didn't name him, he counts as a rando. Yay! Um, so you'll get one point for him if you did not. If you had a rando on your team, but only one. So if you had two randos, he doesn't count twice because he's only one rando. Okay. So, I got
2: one. I got one rando.
3: Nice. I took the rando off to put the Trump org on. So I got no points this week. So I don't know who's keeping track. Uh, <laughs> I am not. <laughs> History is. You got is. Cohen though.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: I did get Cohen. I did. But now I'm. I'm. Yeah. Did you get Cohen? No. 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 Oh. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, you're
2: the only one of us that got Cohen. Um, I Right. woop. Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah. All right. So I'm going to change my picks this week based on my conjecture about this U.S. citizen in patents plea agreement. So I'm going to take in trader Donald Trump Jr., Cohen, Kushner, and the Trump Org. How about you guys?
4: I'm going to keep all of mine. Um, I think I did have Cohen, actually, though, that I think about it, because it was Don Jr., um, Cohen. I had one rando, and then... I think you had Butina and Kushner. Butina and Kushner. That sounds about right. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm right. keeping that,
2: yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm going to do uh, Bettina Still, Trump Org. I'm going to do two randos again and Bocker because I want that guy to go down. No DT Jr.? No DTJ. i take a DTJ and Kushner off for this week because I just okay. don't think it's going to happen that quickly. Okay. And then it happens. I'm trying to you get misalgous. <laughs> DTJ. <laughs> no, yeah, plan are is twenty points. Yeah, it, that's true. If it happens this week, I'm gonna be so upset. Literally the only week so <laughs> yeah, it, this whole so podcast. <laughs> 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 You'll be happy and upset. Happy yeah.
3: Oh, and there's a new thing, by the way. Uh, I was on the forty fifth pod talking uh, with Susan uh, the other week. If you don't check if you don't listen to that, check it out. It's awesome, it's a great podcast. Uh, and she brought up to me something I hadn't heard before. Have you heard about Bannon's hot tub?
2: No, okay,
3: you can pick Bannon's hot tub as a, as a fantasy indictment pick and have on your team it's worth a million points. <laughs> so here's what happens. Somebody found acid in Bannon's hot tub. Oh, that's right. So like why would you have acid in a hot tub and it's it's murder. Murder. what kind of acid? sulfuric acid oh
2: my god like
3: breaking bad acid yeah yeah <laughs> well he looks like he does meth so he yeah he could also be in yeah, the but business he didn't use the acid to make the meth they used the acid to dissolve bodies right right exactly that's just what
2: he bathes in to relax after that's what he happened to his day. face yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my god i'm so
3: mean yeah, yeah he's a toxic <laughs> supervillain. yeah he's
2: like well this is what oh. i am now
3: <laughs> why does he have such wonderful toys yeah maybe <laughs> That's he's a toxic supervillain. Somebody draw that up. I know I've got uh, amazing comic <laughs> book artists. Yeah. Yeah. Bannon's Hot Tub. Toxic. Wow. Avenger. Anyway, that's worth a million points. If you ever call that and, and for some reason something happens with Bannon's Hot Tub, you find out. You yeah. win the entire fantasy indictment league. That's just how it has to go. <laughs> All right, time for sabotage. <laughs> So late Friday night, the defense for Papadopoulos released his sentencing document, which confirms our theory that Papadop was already part of Trump's national security team prior to speaking with Mifsud, thereby blowing holes, big holes, through the conspiracy theories that Papadop was told about the dirt on Hillary before he was ever with Trump. And here to speak to us about the document today is mortgage broker, journalist, radio broadcaster, and producer of The Dworkin Report, Grant Stern. Grant, welcome to Mueller She Wrote.
5: Thank you for having me on the program.
3: I really appreciate you being here. Your, your depth of knowledge Blows my mind. So, off the top, I was wondering what your thoughts were, or the major takeaways for you from this sentencing memo.
5: Well, uh, for starters, I think the excuse level here is is uh, on a scale of one to ten at eleven. Uh, okay. That he was just trying to advance his career, and um, I think that that just clearly establishes criminal motive uh, that he had something to gain by lying to the FBI. Uh, it, it's, I think, important that they mention Sergey Milion, who was one of these uh, Russian-speaking uh, nationals who was friends with Trump and friends with uh, other developers like Miami-based Jorge Perez. And he was kind of like a Chamber of Commerce guy. And that was the, what they considered the, the lure that that drew their client in. Um, and then, of course, I mean, we've seen what the the special counsel Published, he said, "Hey, if you got, had been truthful with us, we would have picked this guy Mifsud up when he was in the United States." And they kind of blame uh, Papadopoulos, and his lawyers are saying, "Hey, we were under virtual probation for the last 13 months. The whole world knows about us. Uh, you know, we didn't know at the time that this was all going to go down this way. He wasn't trying to obstruct justice. So, <laughs> uh, you know, the back and forth there is is very interesting." But obviously what everybody is focused on is something that, you know, nobody can see on this podcast, even though I'm winking and nodding at you guys.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, I mean, you bring up a really good point. But the yeah, the timing is, is so important because everybody was saying that. You know, it was this big conspiracy and that he was going undercover for, you know, ch- you know, spying on the Trump team, working for the feds. And, and we're like, no, he was actually quite an uncooperative asshole. And he didn't he didn't provide anything. In fact, I think it wasn't until until his fourth proffer when they presented him with his own texts and emails and said, dude, you want to come on. And his and like search history and stuff um, that, that he even cooperated. So it's like, come on, man.
5: <laughs> yeah, so it's
3: like, well,
5: on, not only that, but something that the the prosecutor's office mentioned in their filing, which is that after he spoke to the New York Times, they discharged him from being a witness in the case any further. And I think that that is what they're going to argue in court. Uh, you know, just that my big takeaway from th- both filings, the, the special counsel is going to show up and say, look, you know, it would have been better if he had just kept his mouth shut. <laughs> instead of going out there and seeking publicity when he was supposed to be a cooperating witness. Now, the flip side to that is that George Papadopoulos actually confirmed one of the biggest, most amazing stories I ever wrote. The first story I wrote on the sternfacts.com, which was that uh, the Trump-Russia dossier oil deal decoded. And in that story, which was simply a meta-analysis of everything that we knew about the steel dossier, Uh, incorporating Scott Dworkin's recent report on it, everything that was confirmed, some of the stories I had written that confirmed it. The one thing that popped out to me about all of it was that the night at the Mayflower Hotel was significant. It was a meeting of the minds, that's what I called it. And George Papadopoulos told the New York Times in December that it was a signal to meet. Mm -hmm. So... A meeting of the minds is a real estate term that means there's a contractor agreement. And George kind of confirmed that very publicly. And I could see why the investigators would be upset about him spilling the beans on the line of their investigation, because then other people might try to cover up or lie or, uh, you know, uh, do the same thing he did, just try to play it all off and hope they'd get away with it. Yeah,
3: that makes sense. Uh, yeah, we've we've discussed and done many reports on the Mayflower meeting, the Marshall Plan, building reactors in Saudi Arabia, that whole thing with Bud and KT McFarland working for Flynn, and Butina comes in there. I mean, the whole web is pretty ridiculous. Um, but before we get too deep into those weeds, into the Russian weeds, um, what's up with his trip to Italy? Can you explain that to us and who was there and what was going on?
5: Well... You know, George Papadopoulos' trip to Italy. Yeah, it was mentioned in the, in the sentencing report. Well, you know, as we've seen recently, Italy has a very strong and internationally oriented right-wing political party, and they just took power in the Italian government with a minority, but they, they do have political power now. So, you know, George was flying all over the Middle East during the campaign, for him to be in Italy wouldn't be so unusual because he was really focusing on the Mediterranean countries. And, you know, that's where he met Mifsud. And I mean, it just bears mention that the FBI has its main foreign office in Rome, like, you know, because for good reason, because there's there's always been a lot of international political activity going through there. And I, I talk about the, the old Italian communist parties, which for many years had links to Moscow as well. So, I mean, it's just one of these things, like it's a an international meeting place. Um, you know, the, the the FBI has a very well-known uh, office there, I guess, for good reason, as you can see by George Papadopoulos' story. But, um, you know, that's where he met the mysterious, uh, you know, his, his wife. <laughs> uh, Mangianti. Yes, Ms. Mangianti, yes. <laughs> and, um, you know mean, what can you say? She's a, a real character uh, herself, and a lot of people have uh, noticed that she doesn't really have a very verifiable backstory, and Simona has a interesting accent, and uh, I'll just say people have pitched that over to me and said, you should take a really close look at this.
3: <laughs> like, where is she from? Yeah, I, every time I hear her, I'm like, Sunday, Tuesday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, Friday. Um, but it is. It is odd. and It's hard to place. I've been to Italy. Uh, I'm not an expert. But uh, have you found anything out about that or, or are you kind of still working on it? That's
5: that's next on the plate. Let's just say that we have some stuff brewing, but we haven't gone full, full deep dive yet because there really wasn't a reason. And now that he's not uh, trying to challenge the plea deal, which never tends to work out, by the way, um If you want to think about people who've challenged plea deals and lost, think about Republican Senator Larry Craig of the wide stance plea deal. (laughs) Didn't work out for him. It's very difficult to challenge a a plea deal once it's been entered into. And even worse, if you win, they can still admit all your statements against you, typically.
3: So for our listeners, really quick, uh, because I know we've got a lot of younger listeners, Larry Craig uh, was in, I think, public restrooms signaling to men in stalls next to him uh, to, have, uh, to engage in homosexual acts by sticking his foot under the stall. And when he asked about why he was doing that, he said, I wasn't. I just have a wide stance. <laughs> Basically, when I shit, I manspread, and so the foot kept, the f- the foot went over into the stall. So, and I'm not gay. I'm not gay. That yeah, that that
5: happened gay. in the Minnesota airport, by the way.
3: <laughs> Minnesota, um, yeah. It
5: was not that long ago either. It's like yep. 2005.
3: Well, those are pretender days, though. So, I mean, you know, to be fair, you got to use the foot. Um, a swipe left on the foot, I guess. But uh, so the big question is, and I have to ask you because I know that you know all sorts of crazy
5: secret shit. Where is Mifsud? Oh, he's certainly in hiding. I mean, you know, it, it, his wife, Simona, her, her everything that she's done in the last three months or so, buying into the conspiracy theories and chanting them, essentially, it brings into question her whole story because she actually worked for Mifsud, if you recall. Um, that's how she met, uh, you know, Papadopoulos. So, I mean, Mifsud has got to be in hiding. I mean, if not for his own safety, maybe Moscow has him, maybe he's not with us anymore. I mean, this man had a lot of high level connections at the Russian ministry of foreign affairs and the MFA was one of the main organs used in Russia's intervention in our elections. So, You know, a lot of these people tend to have heart attacks very suddenly when Russia is upset with them. And, you know, we don't know if he's still around or not, but uh, I believe that it was BuzzFeed that got copies of the text messages with his romantic partner. And, you know, we just don't know where he is today, but he has obviously some very good reasons to hide. He certainly seems to be at the center of, of a massive investigation that... It probably doesn't end with him at all, but it's certainly, you know, an important starting point because that's really where the authorities did actually start.
3: Yeah, you're right. They have mysterious heart attacks or they fall down in their hotel room multiple times and hit their heads. Or uh, I think recently a VP of a steel company was... uh, uh, fell out of his twenty-story uh, apartment. Um, there's all sorts of yes, they fall out of
5: apartment windows at a very, very high pace.
3: Anyway, uh, we really appreciate you having uh, having you on today. You've really kind of given us some clarification on this Papadop case. I know we're looking forward to having you on soon for a bonus episode on Cutter because that's kind of that's one of your specialties. But for now, can you tell our listeners where they can find your blog, where they can find your reports and your tweets and everything, so they can follow you?
5: Sure. Uh, Go ahead and follow me at Grant Stern on Twitter, building the brand there. Uh, And then my website is thesternfacts.com, thesternfacts.com. I write for washingtonpress.com sometimes. It's been a little while. Uh, They were on a summer hiatus or whatnot. And you can also check out The Dworkin Report. I produce that. We release anywhere from three to seven podcasts per week. Uh, Some of them are deep dives and some of them are, you know, interviews and you know, Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me. Say hi afterwards and tell me what you think.
3: Awesome. Well, we really appreciate your time. So thanks for being here. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.
5: It's my pleasure. And I'm going to tweet an article about George Papadopoulos from last November so everybody can check it out.
3: we Will do. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. All right, guys, I wanted to bring back the Q&A. I missed it, so we're going to do a little Q&A today. I still don't have a song for Q&A, so Q&A. <laughs> Here we go. A QAnon song would be really funny. Do, do, do. <laughs> Does Q QAnon have songs? They need a theme song. Okay. Yeah. We need a and a theme song. I think somebody made one. I can't remember. Oh,
2: can I? I'm so sorry. Yeah, what? I'm uh, my fantasy and Diamond league. I'm taking Bettina off, superseding diamonds for her, okay. and I'm putting DTJ back on. Okay, okay, okay. I'm yeah, done. Not that's too all. late. No worries. I'm sorry. No, I'm
3: sorry. no that's totally fine. No, okay. It doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> if you uh, any time for between now and the end of the episode, you want to change that? Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'm gonna call, call you here. at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Uh, At Clint Jenkins, 85 asked, what are the odds on Trump firing Sessions post midterms, regardless if Dems take control? Seems like a given no matter who wins. I think it would be incredibly stupid of him to fire Sessions at any time because it's going to look like obstruction of justice. He's tried to fire him multiple times. McGann has testified to that, I'm sure, in his 30 hour talk. And if we even if if Dems take control, like we were just talking about, he's no way he's going to get anybody confirmed. There's just no way. And that means that Rosenstein would take over the investigation now he could fire uh, rosenstein and that would put benchkowski as the attorney general and he's a pro trump pro putin fuckface remember he, right. he represented alpha bank yeah yeah um who's who's implicated in the steel dossier and Whose communication servers were talking to Trump Tower early on in the campaign? Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. could happen. But there'd be super consequences. I don't think he'd
4: want to do that.
3: No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, unless you're already going to get impeached, like let's go out exactly. screaming. Um, oh, but if he knew, oh man,
4: the things Trump would do if he knew for sure he was getting
3: impeached in like a week, mm-hmm. he would go crazy. I think he's doing yeah. it right now. Oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, at Connor underscore Grunts. I, I'm glad you grunt. (laughs) He wants to know if we think Mueller will retry the charges Manafort wasn't convicted on or if it's really not worth the time since there's another trial in D.C. Hmm. From what I know of Mueller, I think he would retry him. I I don't think that he would consider anything not worth it or worth it. I think he's after justice. And I think he knows that there was one uh, juror that was hung on those 10 counts. And I, I think he he might do it. But he's asked for more time. It's an easy win for him, and, and he must know that. Yeah. But I, And I think the reason he asked for more time is to see if they can work out a plea deal with Manafort. Oh. Because um, if they do, then I don't think they'll retry. That might be part of the deal. We won't retry those 10 counts. And we right. won't take you to court in D.C., And and but you've got to plead guilty to this, and then you got to give us all of the information on the superseding indictments we're, we were going to drop on you. Yeah. Um, so I, I mm-hmm. think he if Manafort doesn't cooperate, I think he'll retry him. Interesting, and then would
2: they be would he be defending himself in two separate cases at the same time? Is that how that would work, or do you think they would postpone the the trial that's coming up this month?
3: No, I so think they, they would can... probably do the ten counts after. The trial yeah uh i don't think that you can do them at the same time i think that that's probably undue stress okay good or something. that's good
4: that's fair that is a bit ridiculous yeah that'd be crazy <laughs> <laughs> what's your schedule uh, two court cases back to back you know
3: <laughs> that's what he deserves but like it's yeah also, it's, so it's, yeah that's it's kind of messed up that. that's, that's true another thing At Rob Duckmoto asked if Trump pardons somebody for crimes he's connected with, does that make it harder for him to be charged for related crimes? I'm not a lawyer, but I don't think so. Uh, I think if Trump pardons somebody for crimes he's connected with, that that actually is uh, an abuse of power. And I think that that's an impeachable offense. And if we flip the Congress blue, which means you have to get out and vote. But I can't send you money. But Jordan can. And so Jordan looks, Coburn here. Yeah, send me money. <laughs> no, not, <laughs> not you. <laughs> not, <laughs> send me
2: money. My Venmo <laughs> is. <was> at Jordan <laughs> Coburn one.
3: <laughs> um, at Caitlin Schmidt on, not at Caitlin, just Caitlin Schmidt on Facebook wants to know if we think Mueller will actually stop announcing things now. Uh, and if not, when? September 1st feels made up. It is made up. Um, first of all, if you're going to do the 60-day rule, that's September 7th. Uh, I think again, um, Giuliani was just a la- doing a Labor Day thing. Don't wear white, don't indict. And uh, I <laughs> think it's—I actually think that Mueller's not going to stop. He—he um, he may withhold specific big-time indictments. Yeah. He, he might just seal those and wait until after the election, and then blah, 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 let them all go <laughs> like in a big flutter <laughs> of and awesome. That's great. It's the onomatopoeia for indictments. <laughs> 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 that's weird. Sorry. Uh but that's how I think it's made up too. I don't I I actually think we should pay attention to, to what happens on Tuesday um and and all of next week for that matter. It's still quite a bit of ways out from the election it's close but and also Trump's not running
4: yeah I love that you bring that up it's the first time I thought about that today when you mentioned it earlier in the episode he's not a candidate so like would that even apply it'd be like a courtesy I guess to Republicans but
3: they don't deserve that <laughs> well yeah it's kind of up to I just don't know how Mueller thinks he might just right. you know he seems like a conservative fellow but he also seems like a justice guy so true yeah. I don't know because remember when, when we talked about his dissertation how he thought even though the case was lost on a technicality that it wasn't what was right
4: yeah so, it more.
3: Issue for him. Yeah. Even though technically he shouldn't indict um, after Labor Day, um, he might be thinking, like, I can't, I have to think of what's in the best interest of justice in in the United Mm -hmm. States of America. And that might be to do that. So.
2: I mean, especially like the Mifsud thing's a good example. I think there are things that have happened that have impeded the investigation because they didn't come out quickly enough, you know, information. So like pop it up withholding information about Mifsud and stuff. If they stop investigating, basically, or they slow down their investigation,
3: that could make it so people literally leave the country that they need to talk to or something. Right? You know? Yeah, they don't want to. They wouldn't imperil the investigation uh, to, in favor of the election um and, and you know, some people think that he'll just keep investigating and arresting people and stuff and, and he's very good at keeping things from leaping leaking, leaping <laughs> uh leaking so that um you know, he he wouldn't just He would just make sure that information didn't get out, maybe. I don't know. I don't think it matters. I think he's going to bring indictments when indictments need to be brought, Mm -hmm. regardless of the election. I think that the September 1st thing is bullshit. They're hopeful. They've given a lot of deadlines that were bullshit. So
4: that's mm -hmm. why this could be the same.
3: But I'm also very brash compared to Mueller. So I wear other than white shirts. (laughs) Um, Sarah Oatman has asked on Facebook if we think Mueller has referred Jared and Ivanka at all to other U.S. attorneys' offices. Um, I think it depends on what it's for. If it's for hotelier shit in Azerbaijan or her jewels and diamond laundering shit, I think he will hand that off to New York. Yeah, just like uh, the other money stuff. Yeah, and yeah. if anything Russian happens, it'll come back to him. And and, and it's, again, not just to launder the evidence and, but, and not to just to keep his uh, jurisdiction intact and his scope small so mm-hmm. he can't have holes blown in his... his um, you know, investigation for that, especially now that Andrew Miller is taking a subpoena and appeal up to the Supreme Court. They'll mm-hmm. be like, he's done nothing but Russia stuff, so you're out of luck. He's right. not unconstitutional here. Uh, even though he does have the right to do that. So I think keeping that scope close, but also... Um, I mean, you know, putting out the tendrils, that whack-a-mole thing I was talking about, so it makes it really difficult for mm-hmm. anybody to squash this investigation yeah. now that it's taking place in multiple areas. Right. Almost like the mini-molar theory, but
4: in different jurisdictions. Yes. Yeah. Mini-molar's yeah. out on the march in <laughs> the Like trenches. a multiverse of molars.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. A, a
3: million molar march would be really cool in Washington. Trump daycare probably is like Jerry daycare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Best Br- Rick and Morty episode. You, you brought your Trump with you? Oh, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Uh, at cgw459 Cindy wants to know what we think of the lame duck meltdown um, and what citizens can do if this goes down like that she's referring to what I was talking about earlier Republican loss to keep the House uh, and Trump firing Sessions to replace him with someone who will subvert the investigation, though that wouldn't go through, so he might fire Rosenstein putting Benchkowski in charge. That's kind of what the lame duck meltdown is. Mm -hmm. And again, I think he's just out of luck because if we flip the Congress, that's where the power comes from in in these situations and we can feel that because we have nothing we can do about the Kavanaugh nomination. We have nothing we can do about the president. There's Mm -hmm. no check on him. And a lot of independents are going to vote Democratic just to keep the check on the president. It happens in the second year all the time. I just think it's going to be much bigger this time as a referendum on this, uh, particularly now with those poll numbers that we're seeing.
2: Yeah. And a lot of Republicans, especially with what just happened with McCain, too. It's like Trump is so tainted in the eyes of
3: people that are truly GOP members. Yeah, that flag half mast and then raising it back up and then not doing it in the first place and then having to have the foreign legion or the American the Foreign Legion. <laughs> having to have the American Legion tell him to put it back at half staff and he's like okay and then he does and it's like, Oh my god, why are you such a fucking bitch? Yeah. Yeah. Uh mm. And no offense to bitches. <laughs> <laughs> At All Things Mole One asked, what is up with Trump's obsession with or? Like, what's behind it? I've seen suggestions that it's because he's he's been tough on Russian organized crime over the years. Yes, that's absolutely it. And it probably boils down to a guy named Simeon Magilevich. Greg Proops has brought him up. He's the crime boss of crime bosses in Russia. People call him uh, Don Simeon. He's really a fucking bad dude. In fact, he might be why Bannon had acid in his hot tub. Like, he <laughs> is insanely like think of our mob bosses Gotti and all that like nothing compared to this guy wow and he is real close to putin and he, i guarantee you he had a hand in orchestrating this and and it and had a hand in having trump over the barrel for for example Oof. so i do think that that's why or is involved again that's all conjecture i think we'll be talking about um, um don simeon more as we get closer to Finding out how all this Russia stuff ties together, but he's definitely a, p- a part of it, and I think that's why he's going after Orr, and Nellie Orr worked for Fusion GPS, who, you know, did oppo research on him. He just mm-hmm. hates people who don't like him. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, to me it makes sense because it gives him an opportunity to keep peddling this completely dead end null point that the dossier is what kicked off the Pfizer warrant and
3: yeah I <laughs> just uh, I love the picture of Nunez like going into Europe trying to spy <laughs> on an MI6 operative like putting shoe polish on his face and he's yeah. got like his headphones on listening to the Mission Impossible fake Pink's mustache song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm M. Fevin Mumez yeah. <laughs> I'm here to speak to you about <laughs> Christopher Steele like it just sounds like the dumbest fucking shit to me like yes oh I can't. it's just it's the the picture in my mind is hilarious.
2: It's cute. It's like he's going out on his own little adventure, trying to investigate. Like if this were a movie, it should be played by Macaulay Cockin or something. You oh know? yeah, like a My First Passport thing. You know, just where it's like he's just going out there, just trying he went to figure rogue. it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm on my trip to the big city. I'm gonna figure out what's going on,
1: guys. You're
3: gonna make it after all. And He throws his hat in the air, and then he runs after his hat and trips and falls. That's awesome. Uh, at Sarah bits asked if the 60 day tradition even applies when Trump isn't up for election in November. And we kind of already covered that. I personally don't think it does, but I don't think it should, but Mueller might, yeah. uh, it, it can have an influence on an, even a midterm, even though none of, none of them are running mm-hmm. just, it, it can become a referendum on the current administration's party affiliation. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what happens. We, we will see what happens in the next. That's the best thing. Mm-hmm. I can sit here and make predictions. It We're gonna find out. will yeah. or will not happen. Mm hmm. Uh, At Dark Fury, MN, Minnesota, Dark Fury, Minnesota, asked if Mueller could be holding off on Cush and Jr. uh, until the midterms, knowing Donald Trump might go ballistic and attempt to shut down the investigation. I don't think so. I don't think he does anything strategic like that. I think when he's got his indictments ready, the, the, the one thing I could see him doing is sealing them and putting aside, putting them aside for something like that, but- Donald Trump's already going ballistic so
4: yeah I don't think Mueller is afraid of what Trump is capable of like between now and the end of it I think he just wants to to take his time and almost tune it out but then he has to tune in things that are relevant so
3: that's got to be confusing for Mueller <laughs> like what to care about and what to not care about Well I think what he's done is he's set up an investigation in such a way that it's bulletproof that he's got mini Muellers all over the place he's got dead men switches he's got fail-safes that he doesn't have to pay attention to that kind of thing he mm-hmm. can just focus on the investigation yeah i think that's what he's doing unless it's evidence in a tweet of course <laughs> yeah. right and he's you've seen that thing where he's like you stop fucking breaking the law so i can finish this <laughs> um maria carmona asked to explain why one would hold oneself in contempt of court i think she's speaking of andrew miller mm-hmm. and i think we we've touched on this a little bit basically when you hold yourself in contempt of court it gives you the uh, right to appeal that finding And that that case that you're in contempt of. And that's his vehicle to get um, the basically the constitutionality of Mueller's existence heard at a high court. Okay, So that's why he's doing that. Otherwise, he wouldn't have a mechanism to get this up to the D.C. appellate court. That makes sense. Eventually, maybe the Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah. Um Gypsy Khan wants to know if Mueller's team hasn't communicated with 45's lawyers in weeks because they have enough info to drop indictments on him with or without his testimony. Yeah, I think it's because they're I think they're just going to drop a subpoena, whether they do it pre-election or post-election. I think that that's what they're thinking. Um, yeah. They're like, we're not going to talk to him. We're never going to talk mm-hmm. to him. And and Giuliani even said, you're not talking to him after September 1st. Oh, so, yeah. he's like, All right. Well, here you go. Take this. Mm hmm. But yeah, I, that's, what, that's kind of what we think. Joe Otto wants to know if a vice president can be indicted. Yes, totally, and should be. <laughs> and Kevin. At K underscore two underscore T asked me if Jeeps are still cool. The answer is no. What? And I have a Jeep. I love Jeeps. <laughs> the room is split. That's actually why I said no. I'm just, I'm just fucking with you guys.
4: <laughs> yeah, I know. I guess it depends on the Jeep too, but almost all Jeeps look cool when they're like a yeah, little dirty dip. I do. I like Jeeps.
2: (laughs) I got a two-wheel drive Jeep. That is not cool.
3: (laughs) Objectively. You can convert that. Yeah. You know, if you wanted to spend a whole shitload of money for nothing. Yeah. All the time I spent off-roading, bro. (laughs) I'm going to hit those speed bumps like a fucking chair. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys for listening this week. Please spread the word. This is about to get crazy. And we are the only place right now you can get all the Mueller news in easy to swallow morsels. So please become a patron uh, before we stop undervaluing ourselves at <laughs> patreon.com slash Mueller. She wrote head to Apple podcasts of uh, uh, a.k.a. iTunes. Give us a rating and, and subscribe. That's like the number one way we can get the word out. And thank you so much for all of your support. I've been AG. I've been Julissa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Mueller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our sound engineering is courtesy of Resonant Recordings. Our digital media director and subscriber managers are Jordan Coburn, Sarah Lee Steiner, and Sarah Hirschberger valencia Fact-checking and research by AG with support from Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our web design and branding are by Joelle Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com.
0: And And this this is is how we win.
3: MSW Media.